Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. I'm surprised by the leak, not by the outcome. I am surprised by the leak, not the outcome. Josh Gerstein and Alexander Ward with a blockbuster of a story for Politico. Josh in the on-deck circle will join me momentarily. You know the lead. You know the story. The Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe versus Wade decision, according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito and circulated inside the court and obtained by Politico at Smirconish. Dot com today, not only the story from Josh Gerstein and Alexander Ward, but also the draft opinion of Justice Alito. Uh, we don't know where Justice Roberts comes out on this, but if the votes hold as they were in the initial voting, then it really won't matter. It really don't matter because they, they've already got the five. And the, the big question that I will put to all of you after I chat with my guest is whether this is going to be enough in terms of a momentum boost for Democrats to offset the advantage that Republicans hold in the midterm election. And I had already intended to talk about exactly I had scripted last night. I had laid out a commentary that I wanted to deliver asking the POTUS audience, what will it take for Democrats to turn the tide if it's possible. Yesterday, here's what put the thought in my head. Yesterday, President Clinton paid a visit on President Biden. And I have to believe it was to offer some advice with Clinton's experience of what went on in the 90s. You know, Joe, this is what you've got to do to turn the tide. And I wanted to speculate with all of you as to what might be the solution if there is one. In the face of inflation, in the face of the border, in the face of crime and the natural advantage that is already handed to Republicans because they're on the outside looking in in a midterm election. Is there anything? And in my notes, if you could see them, I say, well, you know, in June, there's going to be an abortion decision that seemingly based on the arguments, seemingly based on the arguments is going to go against The Democratic perspective, if there is one, meaning it's going to be something that chisels away, if not outright does away with Roe versus Wade. Uh, Is that going to be enough of a momentum shift? And now here we are where we think we know the answer. So, I mean, today there are barriers around the Supreme Court building. There are protesters who've already arrived. But, of course, there's a lot of time between now and June, uh, politically speaking, and there's a hell of a lot of time between June and November. 
So it's it's really fascinating, and there are so many things that I want to unravel with you. Thirteen states already, immediately, abortion will be illegal. Okay, like the flip of a switch, that's what will transpire. If you look at the map that we used for what we refer to as a thumbnail in the newsletter today, it's color-coded and shows you where presumably, and it's like half the country, abortion will be illegal because it will be a state's determination as to what they want to do. The draft opinion is a full-throated, this is Politico's coverage, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and a subsequent 1992 decision that, of course, Planned Parenthood versus Casey that largely maintained that right. Alito in the draft saying Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Joining me now is the man of the hour. This is Josh Gerstein. Hey, Josh, thank you for being here. Several questions, one that you will answer and others that you will duck. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready, Michael. Go ahead. The question you will answer, have you slept? Uh, I got about four hours, Michael. It's four more than I would have thought because I've already seen you. You're, you're like doing the Ginsburg today. I've seen you everywhere already because of this this bombshell of a report. Um, okay, let's get to the questions that you will be loath to answer. Of course, I'm not going to ask you, and you would never tell me about your source. But I wonder if you'll if you'll share at least this. Do you know the motivation of your source or sources? Um. I think we have some indications of that, but I don't really want to um, get into it because I think it probably would help people try to uh, narrow that field down. And therefore, it's just not a subject I'm going to I'm going to delve into. But I look in the process of what I will say is this, uh, Michael, in the process of vetting this document uh, was important for us to consider all evidence about whether it was uh, uh, authentic or not. So in that, we would certainly look at motivations of people for uh, presenting something like this to us, uh, and as well as sort of more conventional ways of trying to authenticate it through other people that would know what something like this might look like or might have direct information. Um, those are all the kinds of things that we certainly would want to explore and did explore as we are uh, getting ourselves uh, to the correct comfort level to put a story like this out. Right. And and I'm not raising any question about authenticity, because by this point, if it weren't legit, the Supreme Court, you know, would be out instead of telling you nothing, which I think they did in in their their response. They'd be all over it and saying that's just not true Um, from the outside looking in. Presumably someone or some group of people want this out on the street in the hope that they can still change minds between now and June. I mean, that's certainly one potential. I'm seeing a lot of speculation, Michael, about potential motivations and people pointing fingers. You know, everyone seems to feel it's someone in the other camp that uh, that released it. And uh, obviously, you can think of a lot of potential motivations, but I'm probably not the best one to lead speculation on that topic. I do agree with you about the court that I think that if this were not an authentic draft and we should... Uh, I didn't hear the early part of the program. We should make clear to people it's a draft opinion. It's not the final opinion. We're probably 
eight weeks or so away from getting the court's uh, final majority opinion. It's possible one or two justices could move around or decide they're not totally comfortable with the whole opinion. Uh, That happens a lot in contentious cases. So it's not a done deal uh, by any stretch of the um, of the imagination. But, you know, it, it is something that I think is out there in the public domain at this point. And I do think that either the court or other people close to the court, if this was just outright fabrication, would have let us or other news organizations know in some fashion. Can you express in hours, days or weeks how long you've been working on this story? I can't. We, we've, we're deliberately not answering uh, that question. Obviously, as I said earlier, Michael, we took as much time as we felt we needed to take to um, get ourselves comfortable with the authenticity of the document. And then obviously to try to present it in a way that was responsible and thorough um, and uh, to digest the opinion, because it's a, it's 68 pages uh, plus another 31 of an appendix. And it, it's an interesting effort by Alito to to, in my view, cater to the various um, idiosyncratic interests of individual uh, conservative justices that he uh, I, thinks he could bring on board and seems to have brought on board with this opinion. I'm most intrigued by Chief Justice Roberts, because by your reporting, it's Thomas Gorsuch, Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett, Breyer, Sotomayor and Kagan on the other side. And as you write, Josh, quote, how Chief Justice John Roberts will ultimately vote and whether he will join an already written opinion or draft his own is unclear. Of course, if that lineup remains intact, it doesn't matter which way he goes in terms of the impact of the holding. Right. And and it does bring up this other question. If he's really in Alito's camp, if he's in the camp uh, to side with squarely side, not only with Mississippi, but likely to do that and in so doing bring down Roe v. Wade and, and uh, you know, a half century guarantee of a federal constitutional right to abortion. If they're basically all aligned on that, why isn't Roberts writing this opinion? I mean, he he's the one he gets to decide if he's in the majority now under the court's practice. If he is not in the majority, then the senior most um, justice in the majority assigns the um, majority opinion, which if Roberts is not in the majority would be Justice uh, Clarence Thomas. So um, it looks like that is what happened here, but we don't know that for for certain uh, how that went down. But you're right. His positioning is interesting. You know, you're right. If he if it was only Roberts joining the three liberals who remain on the court, uh, then that's not enough to control the outcome of the case. Now, if he could persuade one of the more moderate conservatives on the court, perhaps someone like Justice Brett Kavanaugh, perhaps Justice Amy Coney Barrett, to part company with Alito on some of the language in this opinion, then you'd really be off to the races in terms of um, coming to some kind of a middle ground result here that might preserve the Mississippi law but not completely tear down um, the edifice of, of Roe v. Wade. I will say, though, and I don't know if you've had time to look through the opinion, um, Michael, there's language in there that I have to tell you as someone who's watched the court now for a few years, I just can't see Roberts adopting. You know, uh, there's language in there where Alito uses the term on several occasions, abortionist. That is uh, the kind of language that Clarence Thomas has used in the recent years in abortion cases. But other justices have chosen not to. There's language in there 
that seems almost contemptuous of the court that wrote Roe versus Wade. Um, I think many people would say that it's disrespectful in its tone towards those late justices. And you know, Roberts is sort of a keeper of the court's credibility and its stature in American society. I don't think you go around trashing any opinion of the court. Uh, he might disagree with it or say, I've come to a different conclusion or time has shown that it's it wasn't well uh, thought thought out or there were unanticipated consequences. But just the uh, outright trashing that, that Alito does of that opinion here, I just don't think it would appeal to what I know about Chief Justice Roberts. I thought from the get-go that it would be impossible, that they might try, but that it would be impossible to square 15 weeks and row where row is premised on viability. And Josh, what I have said to my audience here for quite some time is that that the the availability of abortion is going to change in the foreseeable future, but it will change based on medical advance as as the uh, the gestational age, uh, the point of viability based on gestational age lessens. By definition, under Roe, that's going to change when you can get an abortion. But we're not at 15 weeks, and we may never get to 15 weeks, no matter how much medical advance there might be. So I always thought that they were incompatible, Mississippi and Roe. And maybe that's what the court ended up deciding, that there was just no way, pardon the pun, to split the baby. But in this case, they had to get rid of Roe in order to do what they wanted to do. Right. And the interesting part about the the way you're looking at it, Michael, is that's actually the way the advocates on both sides of the case presented the case. You know, both of them said, you know, basically, um, though, if you allow if you strike down Mississippi law, the Mississippi law, you're basically striking down Roe. It would be very difficult to retain the the framework of that decision and some discussion about viability if we're going to say that 15 weeks is close enough because under current um, medical advances, it's more like 21 or 22 weeks is the minimum age for, generally speaking, for a baby to survive uh, in a neonatal intensive care uh, care unit. So, uh, you know, that's what people on one side were saying. And then on the other side, the, the, the Mississippi folks and the anti-abortion folks were also saying, you know, let's just swing for the fences and bring, uh, bring Roe v. Wade uh, down because this is the moment. Uh, to do it. And, you know, at the arguments that I uh, listened to in December uh, at the court, December 1st, Robert seemed to be the one who was fishing around for a way to say, like, is 15 weeks that far away from viability? And maybe we can just say, you know, things that are in the ballpark of viability are okay. And this is just a modification to Roe and Casey, and we'll sort the rest of this out another day. The problem is that the court, there's always a stack of abortion cases sort of ready to come. And you've been covering, Michael, and I've been covering the fact that states across the country keep passing bans on abortion that kick in at lower and lower, uh, you know, uh, pregnancy age here, going down from 15 weeks, to 10 weeks, to five weeks, to four weeks, to an outright ban. And so it's hard in that environment where you're going to see a stack of those cases come to the court uh, to say, well, we're going to uphold 15 weeks, but what, we draw the line there? What's the line? And, and that was the question that really came out of those arguments. What is the principled line that allows you to approve um, a law like Mississippi's banning abortion beyond 15 weeks, but, you know, strike down a law um, from another state that, you know, 
bans abortion at eight weeks or 12 weeks. And and you really didn't hear much in the way of good answers uh, to that question. And I think that's why you've seen five conservative justices, according to our reporting, at least initially and preliminarily line up with Alito um, in his opinion, taking down uh, taking down Roe. Now, we'll see what happens. This is an unprecedented disclosure uh, of this uh, draft opinion. We did a fair amount of research and could not find an instance where an actual draft opinion became public uh, before the decision came out. There have been maybe accidental releases of the final opinion, and there have been rumors and people uh, disclosing vote counts, uh, usually after the fact, but sometimes before an opinion came out, uh, but not an actual opinion. So that changes things. How it changes it exactly, Michael, I can't, I can't tell you, but I just can't imagine the atmosphere in that very private, very secretive uh, conference room they have at the court, you know, where only the nine justices sit in there with nobody else, um, just ha- will have to be different going forward than it was, uh, than it was before. Whether that swings a justice or causes uh, him or her to hold fast to, to his or her position um, uh, or some combination of the two, uh, I, that's, that's a level of soothsaying that I'm, I'm not really capable of. Josh, thank you for being so gracious with your time. I have just one final question. This is yeah. Josh Gerstein. He's the one, he co-authored, I should say, the Politico bombshell story, and I'm so fortunate to be able to have him. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. You referenced December 1. That was the day of the argument. This is my question. So on December 2, I had Erwin Shemarinsky on this program. He's the dean of the Berkeley School of Law. And I right. said to him, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to play this audio when you leave me for my audience, just to remind them. But I said to him something like, Professor, I've always been unsettled as an attorney by the, the legal uh, foundation of Roe, because I don't see in the 14th Amendment anything pertaining to abortion or that could be related to abortion. And he had this. I, I said, but but intuitively, uh, I like frankly, the notion of pinning it to viability. I told him I was happy with the outcome. I didn't like how the court initially got there. And he had a response to me, Josh. And he said to me, he told me that I I was ridiculous. He didn't use that word. He's too much of a gentleman. But he said, "Of, of course, that's not the right analysis. He said, after all, it's that same 14th Amendment, which protects a right to marry, to procreate. Uh, parents to have custody of their kids, contraception, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what it makes me realize on a day like today is if this is the final opinion, what other so-called rights that we hold today might be in jeopardy? So this is a question that Alito actually deals with in this draft opinion. You know, he um, trying to minimize the impact of this says, He's going to basically ring fence or isolate the abortion. It's a different issue. It involves potential life. A lot of those other issues that you mentioned don't involve uh, at least what many people consider potential human life. I think maybe one or two of them, like contraception, arguably, in the eyes of some people, could. But uh, Alito says they don't, and he tries to basically say um, that, uh, you know, uh, abortion is, as the, the lawyers say, uh, sui generis and these other things are in a different are in different categories now whether the dissenters on the court and chief justice roberts totally buy that um we will see about that i do think it's one of the weaknesses in the opinion which is to say that somehow abortion stands alone and that all these other rights that um are based for example on privacy you know abortion's not mentioned in the constitution well neither a lot of those other things it doesn't say anything about contraception. It doesn't say anything about same-sex marriage that you can directly read there. Um, maybe it says something about um, interracial marriage because there's discussion of, of you know, race discrimination in the Constitution. But a lot of these uh, privileges and, and rights that we all take for granted uh, in terms of privacy and, and some of these other highly personal matters, uh, you can argue it's all intertwined with Roe versus Wade. So how do you extract uh, the abortion issue and the abortion jurisprudence from all those other cases? Uh, and he says it's very simple. You just declare it to be different. Um, I bet you will find when this decision comes out, if it's anything close to that, that the dissenters profoundly disagree and say that he is doing damage to that and reopening things like same-sex marriage uh, that I think a lot of people in the country would prefer to treat as a settled issue and not have the Supreme Court 
delve back into um, once again, just a few years after they seem to have resolved it. Right. The people who are on the opposite side of where the court came down on all of those other precedents, no matter how Alito couches it, are going to say, oh, wait a minute. Now we get to challenge X, Y and Z. I have to let you go. Do you think that there's any potential prosecution of whomever was the source or the sources? So we have an article up on the site talking about the history of Supreme Court leaks, because I've delved into this uh, as we've been working on this story. I can tell you that uh, there was a clerk uh, by the name of Ed Lazarus who uh, wrote a book in the late 80s that caused quite a controversy. And some people said he'd reached confidences and stole documents. Um, There was a Wall Street Journal editorial or op-ed, I should say, uh, written by a fellow you may have even had on your show, I don't know, named Richard Painter, uh, yeah, who said sure. that, that Lazarus should mm-hmm. be prosecuted. Um, but nothing ever happened. So uh, hmm. I don't know. We shall see. It's not national security information. We're talking just about information that is confidential by court practice. Uh, whether it goes beyond that, I don't know. I haven't seen the indication of, of what the court plans to do. We've gotten no statement from them. As far as I know, every reporter has been told that the court simply has no comment on the story that we posted last night. Alexander Ward and Josh Gerstein. This is Josh. Congrats, Josh. It's it's a uh, I mean, it's it's really a professional achievement for the ages to break this story. Holy smokes. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Michael. Always nice to be on with you. Take care. Yeah, Bye-bye. thrilled to have you, especially today. Um, well, that was tremendous. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I have so many thoughts. But I also have a clock in front of me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the survey question today at Smirconish.com. Will reaction, let's start here. Will reaction to Roe versus Wade, if it goes the way that we we think, is this going to provide Democrats with enough political momentum to fend off Republican gains in the midterm? If and when this happens, it would be June Is this now a game changer, politically speaking, doesn't matter about inflation, doesn't matter about crime, doesn't matter about Title 42 and the border. Holy smokes, Roe versus Wade has been overturned and Democrats will come out in in droves or not. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform slashing manual tasks and errors over 37,000 companies have already made the move so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite now through April 15th NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program head to netsuite.com slash smirk Smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. John, you're in Williamsville, New York. What did you most want to say? Michael, I think this is just another instance where the left is trying to destroy another institution. I want to know for what purpose would someone have leaked that? Now, your call screener thought I was odd to say, how do you know it was the leftist? Right. Well, what Anyone who is conservative had zero to gain by letting this out. Yeah, you just on the you, left. Hey, they're already gathering at the Supreme Court, Michael. What are they going to do? Try to break down the doors like they did the one time? If there's advantage, if there's advantage to those who like this outcome in having it out on the street in May instead of June, I don't know what it would be. You heard me ask Josh. Exactly you know, right. I, I I asked Josh as nicely as I could. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna insult him by saying, "Hey, who's your source?" But I was kind of curious to be, to at least be able to say, "Do you know the motivation of your source?" Um, but Josh said, "You know, people from both sides are pointing fingers." But I agree with you on the no. point on the point that it had to have come from the left. And Michael, there is nothing to gain. There is everything to lose for someone on the right. Pre 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 uh i mean distributing this uh this uh, uh whatever this decision michael i think there's nothing that the left will not try to destroy here we go again but john but john I, well, now up, now but wait a second but see, hold on here's before michael i don't know okay. what you want you listen you said it and i gave you the chance to say it i'm going to now respond i'm not going to castigate the whole of the left because someone seemingly leaked this no one should have leaked this. This is this is really of concern to me just going forward on, uh, I mean, some things have been sacrosanct. This is one of them. This has never happened before. There have been leaks and books written. Um, didn't Woodward write The Brethren? I think that was, or was it Carl Bernstein? It was one of the two. I remember when that came out, and there were revelations in there about how Roe versus Wade was... Bob Woodward and Scott Armstrong, the Brethren, inside the Supreme Court. I mean, I remember when the Brethren came out. That was, But that was not in advance. Here's a draft? Holy crap. That's unbelievable. Uh, Charles, greetings. What did you most want to say? Yes, Michael. I think uh, the crux of Samuel Alito's opinion, which I have not read the whole thing, 
But it seems the crux of, the, of what he's saying is not should abortion be legal or illegal, but who should make the decision. And what he's saying is, I do not believe the nine people on the Supreme Court should be deciding for all of America whether or not this is legal or illegal. This is a, a matter left for the people and the voters and their representatives, not to whatever the balance happens to be among these nine unelected people. We're well, casting he's, it out of the court. Right. But he's saying that if if there were express language in the 14th Amendment or anywhere else on this issue, then he wouldn't be saying that. It's really twofold. He's saying he doesn't see it in the 14th Amendment, and therefore right. it ought to be a matter that is left to, to each state's discretion. Take a look at the map that's on my website and in the newsletter today. We used it as the so-called thumbnail for YouTube. It's a color-shaded map of the country showing, you know, half the states where presumably, if 13, it'll happen automatically, where presumably abortion will be illegal. That's what we're talking about. Hi, Barbara. You're in Warren, uh, pardon me, Warrenton, Virginia. Greetings. Hi, Michael. Hi. Yes. I just called to say that I do believe that there's an argument to be made that the right possibly leaked this Tell me. in order to lock in Kavanaugh before the exchange of different drafts and the possible altering of some of the language. Once it's out there, I don't think that anybody's going to move because they will then be perceived as caving to some uh, outside public opinion. So that's what I've hmm. heard as the argument for the possibility that the right uh, leaked it. We're going we're gonna to lock you in. We're going to lock you in because they're, they're, then people will know what your initial disposition was. And if you change from that, you'll be regarded as, what, lacking in spine, legal fortitude, Wobbling, some such thing. Uh, caving, being mm-hmm. influenced by the outside. And I think that's understandable. When the first year Kavanaugh was uh, in office, he often voted with Roberts. Um, hey, Barbara, Barbara, I, I'm willing to entertain it. I'm, I'm going to mull that over. I am going to mull it over. It's not my gut, but I'm, well, I'm willing to mull it over, and I'm very appreciative of you for positing that here. The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right. 
a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.